Five o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In five, four, three, two, one. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Seven in one of the polls, uh, number eight in uh, uh, the Baseball America poll as well, and uh, UNC cracking the top 25, so uh, that matchup tomorrow night ought to be quite interesting. Hey, thanks for being with us. It's great to have you along. Uh, we've got uh, Cliff Godwin coming up in just a little bit. We'll go inside the ECU clubhouse with him. Uh, if time allows today, we'll get to some of the comments from Mike Houston as Pirate Football has opened up uh, its spring practice finally. You know the Pirates are going to be donning the pads tomorrow. And uh, we've got uh, right now, uh, very excited about this following uh, Houston's entree into the Sweet 16. Uh, Oregon making it uh, earlier. Gonzaga uh, in action uh, as a number one seed. Uh, We've got uh, to talk about the NCAA tournament. Some very interesting things out of UNC. Uh, Jeff Lebo joining us uh, here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Uh, Coach, it's great to see you. Thanks for uh, taking a few minutes with us uh, here to talk some uh, ball today. How you doing? Doing great, Patrick. Uh, been having a lot of fun here being retired and coaching a little bit, volunteering at West Carteret and, uh, in high school and coached uh, part of my uh, year last year in the G League. Yeah. So, uh, but I've been having fun. Let me ask, so retired is the word. Is that the word we're using? Retired? Kind of semi-retired. Okay. You know, semi-retired. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm retired when I want to be retired. That's the best thing. <laughs> That's nice to and have that I, option. I'm certainly glad I'm not college coaching right now in in this environment. So it, it's been uh, it's been a hard year for for all athletes, well, for everybody, but in, in particular some of these athletes. Yeah, I, I'm going to get into all of that. Uh, Jeff Lebo's got his camps coming up, and they're registering uh, now. Uh, Coach, what's the website? We'll go ahead and give that, and we'll give it a couple more times here for the Jeff Lebo camps. I believe a, a camp in June, and then a camp in July. Yes, I have two. Uh, uh, you can go to risingstarshoops.net, and when you when you click on that site, there's there's uh, a purple uh, spot there where you'll see the Jeff Lebo basketball camps. One in June, June 21st through the 24th, and that's at John Paul for boys and girls uh, ages 6 through 13. And then we have one in July, the 19th through the 22nd, where I'm partner partnering with uh, Jarvis uh, mm-hmm. Church and the upward uh basketball program again that's july 19th through the 22nd boys and girls uh you can you go from nine to four it's a monday through a thursday and you can see all the information on uh, risingstarshoops.net gotcha uh jeff lebo is with us it's great to catch up uh with coach uh here uh, especially during tournament time uh your son creighton uh great basketball player at rose ended up uh finishing his high school career at greenfield uh over there in their great program in, in wilson i want to ask you a little bit about uh his first year at unc i mean obviously it's a much different sort of experience than you had as a player at unc uh especially your first year 
outside of the result, they were kind of even in, in like stricter lockdowns, I guess, out in Indianapolis. Yeah, it was a, just a unbelievably difficult year for 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 them. And um, you know, my son Creighton, you know, they 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 stayed in a, in a hotel most of the year uh, by themselves. Uh, they had um, all their classes obviously were online, and Coach Williams had them come in most of the time to the Smith Center. Uh, to do their classes. So they went to the Smith Center, had their classes. They had their meals at the Smith Center. Wow. They had their meetings at the Smith Center. They had lifting at the Smith Center. They had practice at the Smith Center. So they spent the whole day really there and uh, and never went up on campus. He doesn't even know where the buildings are on campus. And then and we got a chance to go to almost all the home games, uh, luckily, and to go into uh, the Smith Center and – only have 100 people there for a game was very odd uh, to see. Um, but uh, the best thing about it is uh, we've got great parking and we could get, we could get, the, get into the game really fast and get out really fast. So uh, hopefully that's going to change, though. <laughs> Wait a minute. I, I think you ought to get the great parking still. I, 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 oh, <laughs> no, no. Uh, I got it this year because there was nobody. It was unbelievable. Right. You know, you, you, we would leave here from Greenville – in the game, maybe it was a Saturday game at six. We would leave at a four, and still have plenty of time to watch twenty minutes of warmups. Oh wow! And uh, it was it was it was odd, but uh, um, and then after the game, they would come out and, and and say hello to us, and you know, watching the games with with masks and social distancing and no concession stands and no fans, no students. It was so much fun then when, when we had played Florida State and we played Duke for those games and we had I think a little over 3,000 right. fans for yeah. the games at Carolina it was it was amazing how loud it was with just 3,000 people Jeff Lebo in with us uh, here we're talking uh, some basketball with uh, uh, a guy who's coached at four different programs including ECU former uh, ECU former UNC uh, guard uh, and it's risingstarshoops.net is where you could go just uh, find the Jeff Lebo button you can find out about his camps uh, for both boys and girls, uh, June, and then, of course, in uh, July as well. I have to imagine that, um, you know, when, when these kids went out to to the to the tournament site, and they're very – I mean, the tournament's back. Everybody's excited to be playing in the tournament. I'm excited that the tournament's back as a fan. Uh, I just feel real bad for these kids because here they are, uh, you know, as I said, in some ways a lot more locked down than maybe they were on their own campuses. Now, I mean – you know the UNC case. You you sort of outlay outline that there, but these guys are are literally if they're not, they're going to get meals and going back to their room. I mean, this is a tough deal that these kids are going through right now. Oh no, no doubt about it. And you, and you gotta you gotta imagine now. Um, I've got um, I had two former assistants that were in the Big Ten. One at Ohio State is an assistant coach, Mike Nettie, who was with mm-hmm. us here at ECU. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Doug Wojcik, who's at Michigan State, who was with us uh, here at ECU. And they played their Big Ten tournament in Indianapolis. So they were, they've been out there a week before that, and they stayed there. So some of these Big Ten teams, uh, if they happen to go to the, to the, to the Final Four, um, they're going to be in a hotel room in Indianapolis for over a month. So uh, you, you're really isolated. Uh, I think early they brought a lot of meals to you in your room. Um, you got uh, weight rooms, I think, that are in the uh, um, hotels. Uh, you can only really go out for practice. And it, it, it's really, I, I think for the coaches, really scary um, because you could, 
everything could be lost with a positive test. Yeah, well, look, look at we VCU. What happened? Yeah. yeah, VCU in Oregon, and you know, all of a sudden, what would happen? How crushing would it be for somebody in a national championship or a Final Four um, to have a positive test? So it, it's 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 really an interesting time. I'm glad they got a chance to play because we. I mean. What a great game that we have in, in, in this time of the year is, is just uh, so much fun. and uh, But you're seeing a lot more upsets this year. No fans, um, really no home, home court advantage for a lot of these teams. And uh, you're seeing how, how good college basketball is uh, from the mid to low level uh, against some of these higher level teams. Jeff Lebo is uh, with us. It's great to have Coach Lebo uh, on with us uh, here. Patrick Johnson show today. Uh, Coach Lebo's got his camps uh, coming up uh, this summer. More on that as uh, we continue on with him uh, here. Uh, Coach, I want to ask you, uh, you know, for you, it's a much different uh, kind of world than college coaching. And, I, and again, I, I can't imagine in just talking to uh, a guy like Robert Jones when I had his game for Norfolk State earlier in the year and, and Dooley, Coach Dooley, on, on a couple of uh, occasions this year. Not only we had him on the show, but calling a couple of their games. I mean, just a, a, an unbelievable situation any coach you talk to at any level, uh, head coach or assistant. I mean, just to hear some of the stories that were going on and the, the things they were having to do just to have a season for college basketball, people have no idea. I mean, you, you've uh, outlaid it a little bit there with your own son as part of the UNC program. Um, you've gotten the last couple of years to really do, I mean, to me, a, a couple things. With the G League, nothing but basketball. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's all it is, basketball. There's none of the other stuff uh, that, that's involved. And then you were an assistant at West Carteret this year, which is kind of the game back at its roots in a way. Now, there's the high school aspect of things and the high school drama that all these guys, uh, you know, have that we all had growing up, I guess. But, I mean, as far as just, you know, the last couple of years, the game at, at, at an all-basketball and at its purest level, it had to be pretty cool for you, I have to imagine. Well, yeah, it was, Patrick. Near the G League, it was just a lot of fun for me. And um, I, I coached uh, with the Hornets organization with the Greensboro Swarm. Uh, we had terrific players. Uh, it, it was eye-opening uh, to me to see how good uh, the players were at that level. And some of them good enough to go make a team, and some of them just off the fringe. And those fringe guys were so good, um, not to be good enough. It was it was eye opening for me, and um, that was a lot of fun for me because that was all basketball, as you said. And then getting a chance to um, uh, coach there with one of my teammates, Joe Wolf, was the head coach mm -hmm. there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of course, Mitch Cup Mitch Cupcheck's the GM of the Hornets, and Buzz Peterson assistant. So. Uh, I had a lot of fun doing that, and um, you know that got shut down early because of COVID. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then, uh, you know, to coach in high school. So I, I've I've got the college, I've got the pro. Now I've got I've got my uh, resume complete. Now I've got high school in there now. So, uh, but I, I learned I learned in, I learned in high school that uh, their attention span is even worse than the college players. It's about seven <laughs> seconds uh, in high school. So, uh, but I I really enjoyed it, and I appreciate. Um, you know the the coach at uh, um, West Carteret, yeah, Mark, Mark Mansfield, Mansfield. Right? yeah, yeah, who was who's uh, was my age, played at UNC Greensboro, played there at West Carteret, allowed me to be part of that, and I just had a, I had a ball uh, coaching and coaching with the kids. And then you guys were uh, there in the Eastern Regional Final. I mean, that was huge for West Carteret. Oh yeah, and we were. I mean, we were up big too in the last quarter, Patrick, and we. 
Northside, who we lost, who had three freshmen and three very, very high-level freshmen starters. Um, we missed two front ends of one-on-ones, else we would have been in the state championship at West. We were oh, playing wow. well at the end of the year. But it was it was fun to to see the kids have some success and get better and, and uh, you know, just being around and just having a chance to go in the gym every day and, and work with them for a few hours was was uh, was fun for me and gave me something to do uh, in the month of uh, January and February. Of course, you know, we had the shortened season sure, this yeah. year in high school. We had 14 games. I can't – hats off to the student-athletes at the high school level. I mean, they, they had to play with masks the whole year, both boys and girls. I mean, that, that to me – I mean, boy, that just seemed tough. But these kids, especially as the season went on, I mean, it, it, they made it look easy. Well, it was it was very difficult. Um, I don't know how you play basketball with a mask on. I, I had a hard time coaching basketball with a mask on. Right. But these kids, uh, you know, they, they knew they had to do that in order to play. Uh, they wanted to play. They made the sacrifice. It, it took some time for them to, to to learn how to do it and to keep it on correctly. Right. <laughs> uh, and the and the officials, you know, the officials, you know, they would sub you out in the high school game if you if you pulled your masks down um, below your nose. So uh, they knew they had to keep it on. But the hats off to these kids for being able to play and practice uh, every day with those kind of stipulations placed upon you. Yeah. Do you think? I mean, what what do you see in your? Because you're not an old guy by any stretch. Uh, I mean, what's your what's your plans? What do you think you you want to do next? Would you want to get back into college coaching? Well, you know, I, I don't know. I'm kind of uh, you know up in the air here. What I want to do? I've got some flexibility. I, I like what I was doing at at, at West Carteret. We still I spend about half my time here in Greenville and half right now in in Moorhead. So uh, you know, I, I got a chance to watch my son play. I'd like to still do that at Carolina. So I went back right. to a lot of games. I like to have that flexibility. But uh, you never know. Uh, it's nice to have the the flexibility to kind of see what happens and be flexible to do kind of what you want to do. But uh, you know, it, it's been frustrating for me. I, I think more than anything is talking to so many of my college coaching friends of you know the state of college basketball right now with with uh, you know obviously you have the covid you have you have now this transfer portal that is i think going to change the dynamics already has but even more so when they become immediately eligible uh, the dynamics of having a basketball program um and then you have on top of that uh what's happening now with having an extra year of eligibility for some of these guys coming back and trying to juggle all that along with along with the social media stuff that's just been um, seeming to get stronger and stronger and have more effect on some of these kids. So it's been, you know, I told somebody the other, other day, it's, gonna, it's really hard in college basketball now to, to build a program. You have to build a team, and you have to do that every single year. You can't expect guys to be there year to year. I mean, things are going to change and things are going to happen. I, I, I'm waiting for something to happen where where a guy transfers at halftime and maybe he comes out for one team at first half and the second half he plays for the other team. I don't I don't know. Maybe that'll happen soon. So, um, but it's interesting the landscape and you're going to see in this transfer portal portal you're yeah. going to see probably fifteen hundred to two thousand kids uh, this year well, and, it's, and it's going to be frustrating for fans. It's going to be frustrating for for coaches. But that's it's just the new world we live in. In, in a way, as a and I and I everybody says you're the CEO of the program. We hear that about you know college football coaches a lot. You almost need like a player personnel guy on staff. It seems like for for colleges now, 
just to keep up with everything that's going on. I mean, that, that's, well, what's, that's what's remarkable. Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't even know why they call you coach in college. I mean, really, you, you, you coach probably basketball about 15% of your day is actually thinking about actual basketball. The rest of the day is dealing with all this other stuff that you have to deal with. Um, from recruiting to alumni, um, academics, all this stuff that you have to deal with, social media, um, transfers. So it, it's 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 become a, a difficult juggling act for a lot of for a lot of people. So um, um, you know, I don't know what the new model is going to be like. I, I think people are going to have to change how they think, how they recruit, how they coach. Um, I think fans too. You know, one of the great things when I was playing at, at, at Carolina when you, when I was in the ACC is. First of all, everybody typically stayed for four years or at least three years. So the fans got to know those players and got to know those kids, and they got to enjoy watching them grow up. They don't even know them anymore because they're usually only there for some of these kids, you know, less than a year. Right. So you got months. the pros. Yeah. Uh, you've got the transfers. You got. I mean, so it's it's hard to connect as a fan to a team that changes year to year. So, um, and, that, and that's a frustrating thing that, that I think hurts the game more than anything. Uh, Jeff Lebo with us. He's got his basketball camps coming up, risingstarshoops.net. Uh, just check on, check, click on the Jeff Lebo button. Easy for me to say. Uh, Coach is going to hang with us through one more segment. want to uh, ask him some things about uh, ECU basketball and its uh, prospects through his lens as he uh, coached the program for a number of years, including some postseason success. Uh, that when we return on the Patrick Johnson Show. Stay with us on this Monday. We'd appreciate it if anyone hearing this broadcast would communicate with us. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up on your flagship home of the ECU Pirates. We are very anxious to know how far the broadcast is reaching. 94.3 The Game. And 94.3thegame.com. Let's get back to the Patrick Johnson Show here on 94.3 The Game, the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Anytime you are uh, unable to catch the show live, you can go back and relive the magic, 94.3thegame.com. The podcast is there. Also, uh, Spotify, Google, Apple, wherever you download your favorite podcast. And exclusive to 94.3thegame.com, every Monday you can always check out the uh, Inside the ECU Clubhouse with Coach Cliff Godwin podcast. In fact, if you uh, are not near your computer right now or haven't had a chance to check it out today, we're going to bring you uh, a goodly portion of that coming up with Coach Godwin in a bit. Jeff Lebo is with us. Uh, he's got his uh, basketball camps coming up. Uh, sign up now for this summer. We'll give you those details before we wrap up with Coach here. It's been nice of him to visit with us uh, today. Uh, I don't want to relitigate the ECU, ECU years necessarily, but I think if anybody understands uh, a few things about this basketball program and the jump going from where it was in Conference USA when you were coaching to where it is now in the American uh, up a notch or two, uh, obviously at level of competition. You're the guy that could speak uh, to that. Uh, you know, I, I think the Pirate Nation fan base is getting it slowly but surely. Uh, but I, I still think there are a lot of people out there that just don't quite understand exactly all of the commitment that it takes to be a high-level NCAA tournament uh, success of the American. Uh, you've lived it. What say you on the matter as far as just what you got to have to to succeed as a basketball program in the AAC. Well, I mean, it was it was not just a step up; it was like three steps up. Right. And um, <laughs> yeah, 
you know when you when you had when you had when you have uh, when you have that it was exciting i mean it was exciting to be able to compete uh against uh, against the teams that you're going to get a chance to compete against um night in and night out you knew you had to now you had to elevate your program to uh try to attract a, a player now or a group of players that that uh would be able to compete night in and night out in the league and that's difficult um you know at a at, at east carolina didn't have a lot of history or tradition so uh, right, yeah um but and, and the other thing is you know when you jump into a league you you, you got to have commitment from the university to move everything not just your team in there but everything from budgets to facilities um you name it uh to be competitive at that next level and that takes a lot of resources patrick a lot yeah and probably a lot more than people think and and those things are important you know show me a team that doesn't have resources uh typically in their league i'll show you a team that probably doesn't do very well in their league so uh um, you know, those things were a big factor as we try to navigate that transition uh, there. But, uh, you know, we had some good players. We had some good teams. Um, the league, too, when I was – when we transitioned to it, you know, was terrific. Yeah. I mean, SMU was top 10. Uh, Temple was uh, was very, very strong. Um, you had uh, – uh, you know, you had just, I mean, top program. UConn was in the league at that time. I mean, what 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 – tip you know what great players that they had so um but it was a lot of fun and you know what's great is, is is those types of teams you got a chance to get them and, and to play um in Minji's, which was a lot of fun yeah uh jeff lebo uh great to catch up with you i i thought you were just totally a beach bum now i didn't realize you were splitting time so now that i've learned no. this <laughs> we're going to bug you no. we're going to have you in studio we're going to we're going to it's going to irritate you to have you on the show uh, here consistently, so or at least somewhat frequently. How well, you that? won't have you on the show if you saw my brackets. <laughs> well, my <laughs> brackets are horrendous. So I, I, I picked for <laughs> I my. I think I have one team left. Really? That's Gonzaga. <laughs> so I picked for my wife uh, for her workplace, <laughs> and she she says to me all weekend. I mean, this is all I heard Sunday. I thought you like sports and were a fan and and know something. I said I I apparently not. Apparently not. <laughs> They ask me to pick their brackets all the time, and, and they get mad at me because we always come in last. <laughs> I know the feeling. <laughs> I know the feeling on the brackets. It's a tough thing. Hey, uh, great to talk to you. Uh, give the website again now. And, and I know, you know, I think people are going to be itching to get back out and get into camps this summer and get their kids in. So I would, I would say look at this and, and possibly go ahead and, and think about signing up now. What's the website and where do they need to go, Coach? Yeah, they can go to risingstarshoops.net. And you'll you'll see in purple there the Jeff Lebo basketball camp. There'll be two options, one in June the 21st through the 24th at John Paul, the second one the 19th through the 22nd, and that one we're partnering with uh, Jarvis and Upward mm -hmm. boys and girls six through 13. And I can't tell you how many people uh, here in Greenville have asked me about basketball camp. They're ready to to get out and uh, and start over. The one I will tell you, you know. Sign up here early. The, the one at uh, Jarvis is filling up quickly, and we're going to have limited capacity at, at both of those camps. Coach, thanks. It was nice to visit with you. We appreciate the time. Thank you, Patrick. Appreciate it. Jeff Lebo, great to have him on. Great to have Coach on with us. Uh, a lot of fun here today. Okay, uh, we'll go inside the ECU clubhouse with Cliff Godwin coming up in uh, just a few minutes. 
Right now, Ben Byram is standing by. Uh, speaking of uh, Carolina and Coach Lebo's alma mater, some big news out of there today. And speaking of the transfer portal, big news out of uh, uh, the transfer portal today uh, involving uh, Edra Luster, but also uh, involving a lot of key players uh, for the future of UNC. Uh, number one, number two seeds in action early on in the second round of the NCAA tournament. Uh, some uh, football going around on around the area tonight, a little high school football. Uh, ben Byram right now with an update, a sports flash here on 94.3, the game of the Patrick Johnson Show. Ben? Thanks, Patrick. Ben Byram here for your 94.3, the game sports update. And, of course, we started all off with March Madness. We have one game that could be considered an upset, upset from earlier today. Seventh-seeded Oregon defeats second-seeded Iowa 95-80. to And in just a little bit from moments ago, eight-seeded Oklahoma gets smacked by top-seeded Gonzaga 87-71. to If there was any doubt against Gonzaga, they completely squashed it right there. They, they completely obliterated them. Moving on to a game currently underway, 11-seeded UCLA is up against 14-seeded Abilene Christian. And Abilene Christian leads 12-8 with 15 minutes left in the first half. Moving on, a bit of news surrounding the Tar Heels' former five-star recruit and UNC freshman Walker Kessler has announced that he would enter the transfer portal. ECU center Edra Luster also announced that he would enter the transfer portal as a grad transfer. From the NBA, very sad news is basketball Hall of Famer Elgin Baylor passed away earlier today at the age of 86 from natural causes. Baylor was an 11-time All-Star, a 10-time All-NBA selection, made eight NBA Finals appearances, a former head coach, and GM. It was the sixth person to be honored by the Lakers with the statue. Elsewhere in the league, the Charlotte Hornets dealt with a huge blow over the weekend as Ricky LaMelo balls expect to miss the rest of the season with a fractured right wrist. Reports also indicate that the Hornets have reached out to the Lakers about trading for Montrezl Harrell. For college football, UNC gives head coach Mac Brown an extension through 2025. He'll be coaching until he is 74 years old. For the NFL, the Denver Broncos signed quarterback Kyle Fuller to a one-year deal worth $9.5 million. After trading for the former first-rounder, the Miami Dolphins have immediately waived offensive tackle Isaiah Wilson. Wide receiver Kenny Colladay is making bank. He signs a four-year deal worth $72 million with the Giants. $40 million of that money is guaranteed. The Colts elect to bring back corner Xavier Rhodes on a one-year deal, and the Houston Texans agree to bring back run, to bring running back Philip Lindsay on a one-year contract. And wrapping up from the Carolina Hurricanes, they're back in action tonight as they look to snap a three-game losing skid against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Puck drop for that game is set for 7 o'clock. In the net for the Canes will be Alex Nedeljkovic, while the Blue, ja Blue Jackets are expected to start Jonas Corposalo. Here are 94-3 the game sports update. I'm Ben Bomber. When we return, we'll have Coach Godwin on his series sweep over Illinois State over the weekend next. It's time to head inside the ECU clubhouse with Pirate Baseball Coach Cliff Godwin on your home for East Carolina baseball. 94-3, the game. Going back, looking up. See you later. Patrick Johnson's visit with Coach Godwin is covered by the Gavigan Agency, covering Pirate Nation's personal and commercial insurance needs with offices in Greenville and New Bern. Also by Dr. Philip Goldstein at Carolina Digestive Diseases and Endoscopy Center, reminding you that a colonoscopy can save your life. Here's Patrick Johnson with Coach Cliff Godwin. I always look forward to our conversations with Coach, but I'm really excited about this one. Uh, Cliff Godwin joining us uh, here. I, I, I feel my questions. I, I, there's a lot of questions I want answered. Uh, Cliff Godwin, I know, is the man to do it. Uh, Coach, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm a little bit nervous. I'm <laughs> excited as people are. I'm wondering what questions you can ask. 
Well, here's what I – first of all, congratulations. Uh, this was an interesting weekend because your team was down in all three games. And, I mean, this was a scrappy Illinois State team. And we can get into them and, and the games in a little bit. But I'm really particularly interested in something you said at the point in which your lead was cut to one yesterday. I, to me, this is just, you know, I'm always fascinated to know what coaches are talking to their teams about. And, and to me, this was one of the more uh, just brilliant and fascinating things that uh, a coach, I've heard a coach say to his team. And, and if you don't mind, I'd love to have you recant that story, what you told your guys after the sixth inning in the dugout. Well, we had the top of the six, and, and, you know, we had some misfortune, and that's the game of baseball. A couple infield singles, of course, we make two errors in that inning, and they score five runs. So now we only have a one-run lead. So it's human nature to go, well, with me, you know, what's going on? We just played like, just brought the guys up and said, hey, look, if we just started the game today and said, hey, we're going to be up one nothing going into the bottom of the sixth inning, you guys be go okay with that? Yeah. Well, we're up one nothing, so let's go finish the last three and a half innings and <laughs> yeah. win the game. And uh, so I thought our guys did a tremendous job. We responded offensively, scored two runs, and I thought DJ Maggie was terrific yesterday. So that's a great message to your guys. It probably puts them at ease and takes a lot of pressure off of them, uh, and, and it keeps it, I guess, loose in a way. You know, because yeah. you're, you're exactly right, Coach. I mean, we watch these games, we keep up with everything, and, and you know how us fans are. We're fatalistic. Oh, five-run inning. Oh, no, here we go. We're, we're, you know, we expect the worst. That's just the fan and, you know, all of us. But I, th- I think it's just such a refreshing way and a smart way to look at it. I just I, That really blew me away, and, and, I mean, just a very, very uh, well thought out on your part. Well, I, I appreciate that, and look uh... – I've been blessed to be a lot, around a lot of great coaches, and you, you got to take the pressure off of them because at the end of the day, we, we're up one nothing. We're up one run, so <clears throat> there's no need to rehash what just happened in that inning. And let's let's go win the baseball game. And you know, I'm laughing as you're saying the fans. It's always funny to me. You know, we tell our players to, to make aggressive mistakes, and when you look at Saturday's game, in the first couple innings. We didn't make mistakes, and the fans might think they're mistakes, mm-hmm. but two basic dirt ball reads, which the one when Franny was on third base was a ball that was in the dirt, and it bounced in the air back to the pitcher standing on the mound. I haven't seen that happen in 17 years. So, of course, Franny made the right read. It just was baseball, something I haven't seen in 17 years as a coach. The ball goes right back to the pitcher, and he flips the catcher. He's out. Yeah, so, yeah. Important also for fans to just really understand, like, <laughs> hey, that's never happened before. Like in seven, however many games I've been a part of, in yeah. seventeen years, take the the playing too. I mean, take my however many years I have played, not just at East Carolina, I've never seen that happen in my life. So right. <laughs> there's things that are unique to each game, and you have to. Of course, you're frustrated because your team got out, but you know, I'm hearing fans boo and stuff. I'm like, well, if you made the right read, like, why are you guys upset? Like, 99.9% of the time, it's going to be safe. So, but all good. I, I thought our guys had a really good mental approach on Saturday and Sunday. And like you said, uh, it's, it's about the end result of winning. And if you're doing it the right way, and Illinois State was scrappy and they did a good job of getting to our starting pitchers each day, which we haven't been behind a lot, so 
actually it helps us down the road because we've come from behind. I mean, every game this weekend. No, they were interesting. I think your St. John series coming up is going to be really interesting. Uh, I mean, it's another uh, workmanlike program. You got them for three games. They're they're a team that's got postseason experience in in their program's uh, DNA. So, uh, no, this is uh, this interesting stretch coming up here. Lots to talk about with Coach Godwin as we we're uh, inside the clubhouse uh, with him on this uh, Monday. Uh, you mentioned uh, C.J. Mayhew bouncing back. Uh, Friday was it a case maybe he just tried to do too much? Yeah, it, it, him and Coach Deke talked about it, and, and C.J. wants to win as much as any player that I've ever coached. And he tried to strike the guy out instead of executing a pitch, and he threw the ball to the middle plate. The guy hit the ball, and, of course, it happens to go over Bryson's head. And, you know, the rest is history. So uh, we very easily could have lost that game, and our guys battled back and found a way and pitched out of jams. And Look, it's stressful what it is for fans and coaches to be in those situations. The more we're in those situations, that's what's going to happen when you get into the postseason. Is you're going to be in one-run games. You're going to be in extra inning games. So the more we can be out there in those situations, the more prepared we'll be. Yeah, to me, Coach, and again, you know, I'm, I'm watching this, it seems like there were parts of this weekend that had a feel of uh, the journey you go on when you're in the postseason in a game. I mean, there are ups and downs. I, just, I don't know. Just This weekend seemed to have that feel to me. Not that other games don't, but to me, that's just kind of the feel I, I got out of the, the game this weekend. Well, and this, look, baseball, like any sport, is a game of momentum. And like you just said, in the postseason, you're going to have some extreme highs. You're going to have some lows. you just got to maneuver through it throughout the nine-inning game and do the best you can to win more pitches than the other team does. So I, I thought our guys did a good job of that this weekend. Let's go back uh, Friday, and, and obviously Gavin Williams uh, – gets the, the start and was uh, really solid. Uh, Gavin, to this point, uh, and as you said, he's got a lot of baseball ahead of him. Uh, where, where are you all with, you know, your thoughts on Gavin's pitching at this point? No, he's done a good job. I mean, the thing Gavin Williams has had to do, uh, because everybody knows who Gavin Williams is, and he's got a big-time fastball, is Gavin's had to throw all three pitches. Illinois State, against every one of our starters, we talked about this yesterday as a coaching staff after the game, they did a really good job of having a plan and sticking to it early um, against, and then we had to adjust. So they were going to take Gavin's fastball away, which they did. Um, and when I say that is like, you're not going to throw a first pitch fastball or we're going to hit it. Um, so he had to pitch somewhat backwards for him, but his slider was really good. It's probably as best it's ever been. It's becoming a true out pitch when you're geared up for 95 miles an hour and you're getting a, 84, 85 mile hour slider, you can't tell the difference, and you're just swinging, and it's a swing and miss pitch. So, Gavin's done a really good job, and look, he, he will, uh, if he feels good next week, he'll pitch on Friday. We've got uh, Coach Cliff Godwin with us. Uh, Pirates 16 and 3. They moved to 13 and 1 at uh, home, and they've uh, climbed up uh, to 8 in one of the uh, polls. Uh, Coach, by the way, loves me mentioning uh, all that, I'm sure. Uh, Cam Colmore, by the way, um, I, you know, before you. Uh, uh, go to Mayhew on Friday. I mean, Colmore was really, really uh, spectacular. Uh, there's just no other way to put it. In his three innings of work, and there's someone, Colmore, Matt Bridges, uh, also uh, Smitty. You've said it. If these guys never throw another pitch again, they have already given so much to this Pirate Baseball program. It was great to see Colmore play well the other night. Yeah, I, I can't say enough about Cam, Bridges, Smitty. Yeah. Um, what the program over the past five or six years, but Cam pitching with a lot of confidence as Bridgie. I mean, they've been out there. They've been in the, the battle 
for a long time. And, you know, I don't even think Cam's had his secondary stuff as good as it has been in the past, but he's able to manipulate the fastball, throw the fastball in, throw it away, elevate it, throw it from a different arm angle to really keep hitters off balance. And Bridgie pitched spectacular yesterday. We just didn't um, do what we needed to do behind him defensively, but he didn't give up any earned runs, struck out two guys in an inning. So, um, you know, those guys have been uh, unbelievable force out of the bullpen, but more importantly, unbelievable leaders in our program. It's inside the ECU clubhouse with Pirate Baseball coach Cliff Godwin. I'm Patrick Johnson. It's brought to you by the Gavigan Agency Insurance and Financial Services and Carolina Digestive Diseases and Endoscopy Center. Pirates uh, come back on Saturday and Sunday, and a lot is made about the uh, double figures and runs and the way uh, you guys uh, put hits in the uh, hit column on the final line score. You talked about quality at bats. Before we get into some of that, could you define for our audience what exactly a quality at bat in the ECU baseball program is? I, I guess I should tweet it out. The, the definition. <laughs> There's two things you should tweet out: the quality of uh, bats and then the uh, the birdhouse. But I mean, I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm let you handle all that. Yeah. Um, so quality <laughs> bats really just. Hey, you, you got to separate yourself from being result oriented because in baseball you can do everything right at the plate with mm-hmm. the ball hard and it's just right at the defender. That's the unique thing about our sport. Normally, if you take a jump shot in basketball and you do everything right, the ball goes in. Like I mean, that's what what happens. So it's a game of failure for sure. So you know, batting average to me it, it's it's dumb. It's it's not a stat that you can control. So why focus on it? Uh, you can blue balls in, but then you could line out four times and you're over four in the box score. So, but there's a lot of ways to get a quality bat. You can walk, you can get a HBP, you can get a guy in from third base less than two out, the two out RBI, uh, getting a sack bunt down, executing a hit and run. So it just keeps them in focusing on what they can control. And that was the biggest thing that I was frustrated with after Friday night. It was, we, we were, getting caught up in the emotions of the game mm-hmm. and getting mad when we lined out and getting upset about the umpire strike zone instead of communicating back to our pitchers what they're seeing and going, hey, look, he's given three balls off. Well, good. And we need to make sure Cooch knows that, and uh, or not Cooch, but Gavin and Cam and whoever else pitched that night that know that, hey, man, you can throw three balls off, he's going to call it a strike. Well, that that's good for a pitcher but you got to separate yourself from the emotional part of it and, and be more mature. And that's the thing I was most impressed about our team on Saturday and Sunday was our mental approach was right. And the way we went about our business was right. Was it clean baseball? No, but they, if we know they're good enough, we play clean baseball times this year. So if we have the right mental approach, the rest of the stuff will clean up itself. Do you think Friday was a mechanism at all of the guys maybe um, just being – over over anxious in a way, wanting to atone for, for the loss at Wilmington? No, I don't. I think they felt sorry for themselves maybe a little bit. Because right. um, Thursday was not a fun day for them. And, um, because I go back to Wednesday, and I want fans to get this. Uh, look, I take full responsibility that our guys weren't ready to play. I think they thought, no matter what I said to them about how difficult it's going to go down there and win a game, that they thought, hey, they're good, they're ranked. You know, we're ranked in the top ten for the first time this year, and we can just go roll out the balls and win. And right, yeah. Slice of, uh, or I shouldn't say a slice, they got a full humble pie to the face. Um, and 
we haven't been beaten like that in a long time in all phases. And a credit goes to Coach Hood and their staff for getting their guys ready to play. But go to Saturday's box scores and look and see what UNCW did on Saturday. They lost to William and Mary two games in a doubleheader by one run. And at that point in time, William and Mary was two and eight, I think. Yeah. So that tells you how tough college baseball is. And we continue to stress to our guys, like, if you don't show up, you're going to lose this year because there's more talent, older players in every program, regardless of the record. So you can look at Illinois State's record and the fans. I know they've been talking about how bad their RPI is. Watch where their RPI is at the end of the season. Yeah. Because it stays better than what I think our fans think they are. <laughs> right. No, no, you're right. Yeah, well, that's 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 the thing. And, I mean, you're just not throwing a ske- together a schedule for the sake of th- – I mean, there's I mean, there, there's a method to, to the type well, of Patrick, programs you want to face. Hey, flashback to, flash to 2019, all of our fans were – locked in on computers hoping Illinois State <laughs> right. was going to beat Louisville. They were 90 feet away from coming to Greenville instead of us going to Louisville, That's true. Illinois State. That's true. And uh, yeah. so they're a great program, and they played a really tough schedule. They played Oklahoma State three times. They played Missouri three times, which doesn't have a great record, but they're an SEC program, and then us three times. So how would other teams do in those nine games? <laughs> no, you're, you're right. And I mean, well, and a great point to Wilmington, great program. That's a tough conference. And I mean, any, any day you go out there in a lot of these leagues, I mean, you're eligible to get beat. And, and I mean, that's just it's the way it is. And, and you hit the nail right on the head coach. Everybody's, everybody's not only older, but they're experienced older this year. Even teams that haven't been that good. They got a lot of guys back, you know, so it's, it's just kind of the way it is. Uh, this year uh, around college baseball. Uh, I, want, I want to have you just, you know, talk about maybe some guy. We've talked a little bit about the pitching. Uh, instead of, of me just going through and this guy, this guy, you know, guys that you think at the plate right now are really swinging the bat and having those quality at bats that we talked about a moment ago. Well, the, the neat thing about our team is when we're all in the right mental state is it kind of happens from a different player each and every day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he was really consistent all weekend, of course. He had a really good weekend. I thought Alec Makarevich had some really tough at-bats, like fouling off pitches throughout the weekend. Of course, Josh Mullen had some big swings uh, throughout the weekend. But you also look at Agnos' two-strike line drive in the first inning on Friday night that set up the two-run homer. Mm-hmm. Uh, A-Max walk on Saturday when we're down, I think, 2 nothing, two out. He has a walk, and then Seth hits a uh, uh, two-run home run. So th- those at-bats, I think people maybe not, you know, are as inclined to remember, but the toughness of our at-bats were a lot better after uh, Friday night. I mean, we walked, um, I think, eight times or seven times and one HBP on Saturday and struck out eight times. Anytime our, our stats are kind of like that offensively, you know, we've been up there and we've done a really good job of just winning pitches and um, – taking our freebies when they give them to us instead of like Friday night, we struck out 15 times and I don't think we walked one time. So oh, the intentional walk that Franny got mm-hmm. late in the game, but that was the only one. And then yesterday was kind of the same thing. Uh, we got UNC tomorrow. Uh, of course, coach Fox has built a tremendous program there. Scott Forbes is, is now their head coach, I believe. And um, uh, UNC uh, tomorrow, I know you, you may not have delved a lot into them at this point, 
uh, but just uh, a, a real heck of a challenge, uh, and it should be a heck of a game between ECU and UNC Chapel Hill. Yeah, it'll be a great game. You know, I'm, I'm sure our fans will be super excited, and if uh, we win, they'll think we won the World Series. If we lose, <laughs> that we're so uh, no, nah, it's fun, and, and and it'll be different because still not full capacity. But the thing that I love about East Carolina playing NC State or um, U, uh, UNC or Duke or whatever, I mean, just it's a fun environment for players to play in in a normal time with the fans and. Uh, you know, our fans get excited and they pack the stadium. That's that's the neat thing for our players to experience because you don't get that everywhere in college baseball. You can be really good and, and people don't care enough. So it's it's important to me that our fans do care and, and that's the cool thing. And they pack the stadium when we play those teams. Coach, thanks a lot for the time as always. Uh, we enjoy uh, talking baseball with you on Mondays and uh, best of luck tomorrow and the rest of the week. Thanks, Patrick. Thanks for having me. This has been Inside the ECU Clubhouse with Coach Cliff Godwin, presented by Dr. Philip Goldstein at Carolina Digestive Diseases and Endoscopy Center, reminding you that a colonoscopy could save your life. And by the Gavigan Agency, covering Pirate Nation's personal and commercial insurance needs with offices in Greenville and Newburgh. S-A-F-F-E-T-Y. Safety. Johnson on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94-3, the game. Thanks to Cliff Godwin. Thanks to Jeff Lebo. They were both great today, weren't they? Good show. It was awesome. Hey, uh, your guy, Derek Brunson. Yes. of the show. The human blanket. Little, uh, <laughs> little, little UCF this weekend, or UFC, excuse me. Yep. What happened? Uh, it was a big win for him. Uh, he comes into most of his fights as the underdog. He kind of had the reputation as being a gatekeeper. If you beat Derek Brunson, you're you're kind of in the main event picture. Well, he's kind of recently he's kind of he's kind of squashed that uh, that that stigma around him. He he basically beat the fighter of the year in the UFC, and he completely dominated him to the point where Dana White openly said that the guy he faced looked like he had a mental breakdown. He completely wow. dismantled this guy. Wow. So he's going to be in the title picture here soon. All right. Good for him, right? I'm proud of our guy. Eastern North Carolina guy. So tomorrow, uh, baseball at 6 o'clock at Chapel Hill, as you just heard, uh, 545 airtime. We'll lead you in tomorrow, 5 o'clock. Uh, comments from Coach Houston from the start of spring football. Uh, we'll also have uh, some of Seth Cadell's thoughts out of the weekend and uh, Sa Seymour scheduled to join us. For Ben and Squirrelbot, I'm the P-Man. See you tomorrow.